welcome back to another episode of the Vet Nurse Diary podcast. This will be the last episode of this podcast series. Thank you so much for listening. Today I'll be discussing a surgical case of a femoral head and neck ostectomy I was involved in this week. Uh, some of the night nurse roles I've been doing uh, and an interesting job change I've got coming up and a little bit at the end about the best and worst things you could do as a vet nurse working in a hospital. Thanks. So this week was a really busy week with the team. Um, We had some really successful days. Our main head um, referral vet, he was away this week on a holiday that he definitely uh, earned his holiday. So some of the other surgeons had a busier week dealing with his cases. Um, I was with one of the uh, soft tissue vets who's doing a couple, who who did a couple more of the uh, orthopedic surgeries. We had a really successful day Thursday because we had four different um, anaesthetics to do, um, uh, two CTs that were CTs done for uh, ongoing lameness of two dogs, and those CT took probably only half an hour of anaesthetic time, um, a lot of prepping beforehand and organising all their drugs, but we were able to do those CTs quite quickly and it showed that there was no surgery needed that day, which was lucky because that would have been a really busy day if we had to go to surgery with those. Um, so those CT reports were to be sent off, um, which we do for all of our CTs. Sometimes we know straight away what needs to be done Um, but they usually do send them off for another um, imaging specialist to look at um, to classify what's actually going on. Then we did our lap spay that I said in the other podcast we've been doing more of, and I like lap spays. um, They're sort of, you know what exactly you're doing. Uh, The team's already organised. We had uh, our kennel assistant, our KA, um, who got the theatres all prepped. We needed both prepped that day that my myself and the vet used both. So it was good to have them prepped before we even finish our CTs so we can just make sure our animals are pre-medded before we finish our CTs. They've had their 15 minutes up to half an hour of letting those pre-med drugs take effect and um, to make them sleepier, in short. Um, for them, the induction to be smoother um so the lap spay went really well it was a larger dog um and it recovered really quickly as well i think it was home within two and a half hours after the surgery time because up normal tpr and luckily my inpatient nurse every time i finished the anesthetic i could hand over to the nurse who then um was watching my recovering patients i do keep my patients at quite a low isofluorine level Um, and I find that a lot of my patients do wake up quite quickly and I can be quite uh, sort of stern when when I'm waking the animals up, um, trying to get them into a sternal position and um, making sure they um, are swallowing quite well before extubating. And it's funny, one of the differences over here, I think, I'm not sure if it's just from the two practices or three practices I've worked out, mainly two practices, and I did a couple of other, other days another one, um, that some of the nurses here don't, like I was always taught to extubate when the patient is 
pretty much licking their nose or really swallowing a lot. Whereas some nurses over here just wait for them just to look like they're having a swallow like from their throat um, instead of like moving their tongue or lifting their head. So I do wait quite, I wait longer. Um, different with brachycephalic um, cats and dogs, but um, generally that's the main difference that I have seen. They do extubate earlier over here. I think they are taught to do that um, as well, but that that's perfectly fine as long as you've got someone watching the patient, um, which we have a really good amount of staff at the moment that there's always a hospital nurse or an inpatient nurse watching the animals as well. Um, so they all re recovered really well. So then we had, uh, finally I got to help with a femoral heck head sorry femoral head and neck ostectomy so it's when we remove when the surgeon removes the femoral head of, of and the bit of the neck of the um femur so the the bit that pretty much sits in your hip socket that gets removed um the bone so we've had about five of these procedures in the last three weeks which is really odd, um, a couple of cats and a couple of dogs. This one was of a small, uh, it was a sprocker, um, so a small dog, I think he was about 15 kilos, and it needed to have this surgery because it was having um, hip luxation, so hip dislocation pretty much, when um, running and playing. Um, so it was really, really interesting to see, and it wasn't actually as... Um, complicated as I thought it would be um we the surgeon used specific types of equipment and a specific type of saw that I hadn't seen being used before so that was really cool um and I just got to uh, do the anesthetic monitoring so I spent probably about six or so hours anesthetic monitoring on one of the days this week which I really enjoy um doing long anesthetics because you know exactly what you're doing and it's sort of I find it very mentally stimulating um, compared to sometimes um, being uh, with the medics where you're more going from one animal to the next and restraining animals more maybe um, or getting medications or dealing with like communicating with everyone whereas if you're in theatre doing anaesthetic you are there for a long time and you get to really um, mentally sort of focus on one thing um, and if it's going and I don't mind when it doesn't go smoothly because then you do get to troubleshoot and really use the knowledge that you've acquired over your nursing career um so yes we do have a bit of an issue with one of the um multi-parameter machines in one of our theatres that's not giving the right um the blood pressure cuffs um are not inflating well or not reading well we're not sure so we do need to get that uh looked at um because it just makes it a bit of a nightmare having to take manual uh, systolic blood pressures because um, you'll have to have a Doppler in there. And I do use Dopplers quite regularly over here now. Um, back in Australia, we sort of weren't using them as much because we had uh, pet maps as well. Um, and I really trust the multi-parameters that we used. Um, we only have a couple of multi-parameters um, in theatre, we don't have any, well, we have one that's an emergency one, um, but we regularly use Dopplers 
like systolic dopplers for manual blood pressures um, even on our inpatients so I have gotten a lot more used to reading them and it's quite simple now I think that's one thing I'll take back to Australia is taking manual systolic blood pressures um, although there's always that human error factor as well if you're trying to listen to the heart to the heart rate the pulse so there's yeah positive and negative associated with that but it was just really annoying in theater having to troubleshoot just for something so simple as that it should just work um but yeah we also use local um block as well uh was it bivacaine i think we used um to help with the pain associated with removing that part of the bone really interestingly my vet was explaining to me that um because I thought it would have to have, you know, it would always impact the dog's life. It being a young dog, I was really worried about that. But she said that it should actually heal um, and form, you know, cartilage and muscle and that space should be filled up and it shouldn't um, have any issues with function after the proper, uh, she said, 12 weeks rest. But it is good to get those animals up and moving quickly as well because they need to uh, grow the muscle in that area and heal uh, which I was really interested by it would be different if it was um, a hip replacement which is another option for those luxation those dislocations or luxations um, as she was explaining um, they're far more expensive and the, the patient the animal the dog would have to be rested a lot longer um, they're really really expensive as well I'm not sure if I would opt for it for my own animal just if being they're so expensive and they can have a lot of complications with healing as well because you're putting an implant in there um but I suppose it would just be case dependent as well I'm not sure if any of my family dogs back home would tolerate cage rest very well or being sort of high activity farm dogs but it's just interesting to thought to think with these sort of procedures what you would do with your own animal as well um because I do see a lot of cases at work that I think, mm, I don't know if I would do that. Um, luckily, these owners, uh, the femoral head and neck ostectomy um, isn't too expensive and they have insurance. So it was a really good option for them, um, especially being a young dog. It was definitely really good to be a part of. And the dog um, recovered really well um, and I really enjoyed being in theatre. Um, we also had a really busy day Friday, which was quite funny because after the night shifts I'd had um, uh, the week before, um, I had another one at the start of the week um, and it went really well, having a lot of impatience and I found it really enjoyable. Um, so it was funny being this week, having one day on night and then three on days again and by the end of the week I was really, really tired. And because I did the um, two nights, over the two weeks I've actually accumulated so it's six night six hours of overtime for each night if the night lands on a day that you're meant to have off so I had acquired 12 hours of overtime so I got paid extra but also the overtime is when you can um, take back from your usual hours you work so you can leave early pretty much and get paid the same so in total from other days as well I had 17 hours that I've got to use up now um, which isn't the most. I've got other colleagues that have accumulated a lot more, um, but I do try and keep it below this sort of level. So I said on the Friday that I was going to leave or try to leave, you know, two hours early. Um, 
which just completely jinxed it because we got so busy. Um, I was actually on with the first opinions team or the general practice um, team, same building, but just a different department. And I was on with the cats. So I, um, I really enjoyed my day actually up there. Most of the cats are really lovely and there were sort of ongoing patients that I had dealt with on my night shifts or um, I had done the anaesthetics for that week as well. So it's really good to follow them through and sort of get to meet them when they're feeling a lot better. Um, and only one cat was a bit difficult. So I only got scratched once, which is a funny thing to think of. But um, I think that was a really positive day because this cat, we, we handled really slowly and really politely. But he just gave one whop to my arm and we thought, OK, we need a little bit of chemical restraint, which is what they sort of say in the textbooks when we give drugs to help um, reduce, you know, the aggressive behaviour. So we've been using a lot more gabapentin um, tablets, uh, oral tablets, um, in practice. And they've been working really well. He had, I won't say exactly what he had, but he did have some sedation and it really helped um, him sort of relax. And we were able to do ultrasound and other stuff with him and bloods um, without him getting sassy at all. So... That was a really good case to manage because the vet did well to admit him in the morning. So we had the whole morning to after lunch to be able to take it really slowly with him. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed the day on with cats, but it just got really busy in the afternoon um, on the referral team. So I sort of went um, back on with the referrals to help them because uh, we were in theatre with... Um, a, I think it was a BOAS surgery. Um, so that was taking longer than expected to recover as well because with BOAS surgery, um, so that's doing airway surgery on usually brachycephalic dogs. Um, we see them all the time. It's not uncommon to have um, Frenchies and pugs that will need um, BOAS surgery in their life. And I've done a couple of anesthetic monitorings with them. You usually have to um, sit with them for a lot longer because really surprisingly when these brachycephalic dogs, um, so they're the ones with the short noses, um, it means they're pretty much their whole airway system is compressed. Um, so really interesting. They, when they have their um, ET tube in, when they're um, intubated, they wake up from the anesthetic and they don't mind the ET tube being in there at all because it's keeping their airways completely open and they will sit there, they'll look up at you, they sometimes even put their heads up, but they'll look up at you and they'll just sit there because they can breathe better than what they breathe without it in. Um, so it's, it's sometimes a bit annoying, but you do have to wait with them for quite a while, um, especially after surgery, they can be quite inflamed in those areas. So um, they can be more irritated and it's just, yeah, so that sort of slowed the team down a little bit um, with that one. And so, uh, they, were, they had to go into an, an X lap as well. So we're a little bit short-staffed. Oh, and we also had to do, this was at 4 o'clock on a Friday, we were going to do an MRI on a um, beagle. Oh, I love beagles so much. And this beagle was so sweet. Um, that they think uh, it had neurological deficit, but they think, with meningitis, so in infection uh, along the spinal cord, and they can present with a variety of different um, 
sort of measurements as well because it was pyrexic. It had a really high temperature as well, which shows infection. Um, it had blood changes as well. So the owners had no insurance, unfortunately, and they opted to do um, a CNF tap, so to take the spinal fluid, which uh, and it was after a CT as well because uh, they were worried that there was neck pain from a foreign body instead of being spinal related. Um, and when the vet intubated, we did notice there was a slight wound on the back of the throat that could have been a bone. So that's maybe why the dog was painful on its neck. So that's why we did the CT. Um, and the CNF tap was really interesting. So once we did the CT, we moved the dog out of the CT area. We clip along um, the base of its head, the back of the head, sort of between the ears. Um, and we use the vet uses a very, very long needle and pretty much taps in between the uh, discs of the spine. And to explain it very simply, there's a whole um, protocol that the vet has to follow. And the patient is under anaesthetic, uh, so it's not moving at all. And we have to hold the patient in a certain way um, so it's at a certain angle so the vet can get the fluid. And usually the, the fluid is sent off as well to the lab for um, uh, lab analysis. But usually if the vet says, sees that the fluid is cloudy, it's unusual um, and it could be a sign of uh, meningitis. So... This one was an interesting one because it can take, it can be a five-minute procedure where it's done straight away. Um, but this dog, because it was a young beagle, quite small, um, it was quite tricky for the vet to take. And the vet did a good job um, persevering. And after half an hour or so of trying, um, we decided to change uh, vet nurse position. So I actually went on to hold the dog. And I don't think I ha I, I know I held, held the dog slightly different because I raised its muzzle to sort of make it more horizontal. Um, but like it was literally nothing different and the vet was able to take the fluid straight away. So I think it was very fluky and it was really good of my colleague to be like, right, okay, we need to switch it up. We need to do something different because it's not working. And um, then we then I swapped in and they the vet was able to take it straight away. But it's sometimes with those things, it's not actually the person who's doing it any differently. It's just sort of changing the team up, really thinking about it, taking a moment and then trying again. Um, but it was just funny. And I was wanting to leave two hours early to use some of my overtime and ended up leaving like half an hour late to help with that procedure. So, yeah, so I have to try and organise my 17 hours of overtime um, over the next couple of weeks because I have decided to officially take on the night nurse role at my current workplace, um, which is a huge decision because I really like it in the referral team. Some days it's definitely been more challenging than I thought it would, um, not from my own personal like nurse's experience. I don't think, I think I've blended in with the team quite well, but um, in terms of sometimes I find it quite difficult to um or just not as fun communicating with so many people um and having to really manage the vets sometimes I find that um honestly a bit sort of more draining um and I do love working with a variety of different people but um 
at the moment I'm quite happy to sort of take that shift away from um, the referral team to work on nights just to have more time with inpatients and really do what I wanted to do, which is work with the animals and try and make a difference um, and sort of be more utilised as well. Um, again, I've mentioned this with other podcasts, sometimes um, working in referrals, it can be very busy and it works so well and it's sometimes the best days when everything not goes correctly but is organised really well and then some days it um, can be really a challenge to try and um, manage different groups and communicate with different groups of people um, in not a negative way but just sort of what it is. So yes, are we starting night nurse work um, mid-May? which works out well to be this is my last episode of the podcast, which is a funny sort of process over the last 10 weeks that I've been discussing what areas I've enjoyed more or less. And I think it would just be really good um, for the summer to have that one week on, one week off to then do a bit more exploring around the UK, hopefully, as best as we can. And yeah, so that's something to look forward to um, over the next couple of weeks. It'd be really sad to not work with some of the colleagues that I've really got to know um, but now we're allowed to go out and actually socialise that should be fine um, to socialise with them so um, I thought I would also just say like the funny thing that I've that I've noticed uh, or I could summarise with the best and the worst things working in so many different workplaces now in the vet nurse industry um, so I'm going to say a couple of things that are the best things that I've noticed with working with team people. Um, and they're pretty obvious. I think they'd be the same in any workplace. Um, but the best things I've noticed or the people that I really admire in my workplace um, are people who actually just – and it's, some, it's a sort of a saying that you get along to go along and to sometimes actually be efficient at your job. You don't always have to um, know everything, which I've really learnt um, – it's okay to not know everything and the most important thing is to admit when you don't know something. I think sometimes, especially in the vet nurse industry, that there's this bravado of, oh, yes, I'm great at doing this or I can do this. But then um, if, it get, if it comes down to it, if you can't do something, it's best just to admit it straight away or if it's just not working, to admit that, okay, I just need to change Um because you might just be having an off day. I think they're some of the best things. And also, if there's nothing to do, there's always something to do. Like, there's always cleaning to do. There's always restocking. I think some colleagues that I've worked with previously, um, especially when you get to a certain level of nursing or a certain time that you've been nursing for, they assume that the cleaning jobs or the restocking jobs are for junior nurses or student nurses or KAs. But it's quite easy to help um, kennel hands or student nurses by just cleaning or by you know restocking or by changing the sharp tubs like it's so easy to try and help their day instead of um, just really you know thinking you're above people so I think they're the best things that I've seen from other colleagues especially like really like quite um, senior nurses as well the ones who um, get down and just clean or admit when they can't do something or you know understand that if you can't do something they will come and help especially with me I have not enjoyed having to set up some like anything to do with um 
ophthalmology. I haven't really worked on, I haven't had that many surgeries, so I don't usually remember what is needed each time. And I usually just have to use the, um, the sort of cheat sheet ch charts that we have. Or if I have a colleague who loves ophthalmology or who knows the exact equipment, they often realise that it takes me a lot longer, so they'll just, you know, offer to do it with me. So, um, yeah, I think really recognising when people don't want to do something as well um, can help the team. Um, and really ophthalmology is the only sort of area that I've sort of not really sort of clicked with. Um, but, yeah, they're just some of the things. The worst things, and they're not the worst things. It's not like if nurses do this, it I don't, you know, respect them as nurses, but it's just something all that It's something that I find a little bit annoying, um, to be honest, and it's when you're handling an animal, especially I think generally people are really quiet and gentle with cats, um, but with dogs I think people forget and I think this comes from my like more working with farm animals as well is to remain like to stay quiet even especially when a dog's really stressed I don't like to see people say um oh fluffy relax 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 sit 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 like I cannot stand it when people say sit 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 sit, sit. like that is not relaxing to anybody um and when people just try and like over like talk to the dog like it might be helping you relax, but it is not helping the dog. So, and people might think I'm, I sort of come off more cold when I talk to animals like that, but sometimes less is more with um, handling animals. Um, also, I find people who say, I know, I know, I know, when you're handing something, information over or handing a patient over, I find that quite irritating as well, um, especially working in different industries. People who say, I know, I know, are ones who usually are not listening to you or who don't know. Um, and, yeah, I just don't think that's uh, the best quality. Um, in saying that, you do have to somehow show your colleagues that you do understand, um, especially if someone's sort of talking down to you or belittling you. Um, so it's best just to repeat the information back to them instead of saying, I know, I know because it just doesn't come off very um, professional. And when people get too involved, especially working in a hospital, you do need to know a lot of what's going on. Um, but to also, if it's not your area or you haven't worked with that animal before, don't try to get too involved and just trust your colleagues and what they're doing. Um, especially when I go ask other colleagues about an animal and somebody else pipes in, it can be quite um annoying because you just need the information that you need instead of giving them the whole um life story because they think they've worked with the animal more um yeah just to be a bit more aware especially in hospitals i think um and similar to what i mentioned before about um emitting if you don't know something or if you um can't do something because it's not working um so when when some nurses or vets don't give up, like when they can't admit that they're not getting the bloods or they're not able to put the IV in or they're not handling the cat or dog correctly, that's one of the worst qualities. I don't think it happens too much, um, but you can sort of see, and I do pick the people I sort of ask, do you want me to hold the animal or do you want me to try it? But usually I think um, 
after two or so goes, especially with IVs or bloods, a lot of my colleagues are quite like happy to put their hand up because they it doesn't mean you're not as good. It just means you're having either an off day or you're not seeing it the same way as somebody else, especially when um, if you're watching someone do it, you can often see um, what they're not doing wrong but what's not working. Um, also, the worst thing actually is especially I've seen it with senior nurses saying it to student nurses or junior nurses is to like putting down people for saying that looks awkward or oh that's not how I would do it or there's yeah there's a little bit too much judgment I think sometimes between senior nurses and junior nurses and the only way I sort of see it is if it comes off as they're putting you down they just might not realize that or they might have their own insecurities. Um, so there's a lot. It's surprising how much human psychology goes on in working in teams and in groups of people. I wouldn't want to say just because we are um, a heavily female-dominated um, industry, but it's a little bit like that sometimes. Um, so it's a lot of different personalities Um going into different groups and I really I think that's what I'll miss the most about going on tonight is missing out on all these little quirks and sort of trying to get along with everyone and um, those really busy days where it really makes a huge difference if you get along with everyone because um, it can be quite difficult when when it really gets busy and uh, dealing with everyone and that's that's the final thing that I think is I've spoken a lot about the differences between my experience in Australia compared to the UK and I the one thing that is sort of odd that I have realized is and I'm not sure if it happens in Australia I'm not sure that when I've seen IVs placed over here the person placing the IV will say sharp scratch when they're putting the IV into the cat or the dog or the bunny rabbit like I don't know if it's a if it's because that's what they say with humans as well in human medicine, but when they're placing it, as in you know they're putting the IV catheter into the leg, they say oh sharp scratch, and they, while they're doing it, it's a really funny thing to hear. Um, but I kind of like it. It's, it's kind of cute. Um, but yeah, I just don't think I've heard it in Australia. I'm not sure. Anyway, I think um that's a funny sort of end, but uh, an interesting summary hopefully of what it's been like and where I'm at with my nursing. I think when I get back to Australia, I will try and do um, some further education. Um, I was going to try and do a merit award while over here. Um, but I think, yeah, my main focus now um, is to really try and enjoy the rest of my time here um, and not try too hard with my vet nursing. Um, so yeah, and to try and get out and socialise a bit more and do some more photography and more of my hobbies. Um, in the summertime. Um, I'd just like to thank everyone who has listened and taken the time to sort of hear my little story about vet nursing and the vet industry in general. Hopefully you've learnt something or at least um, understood a little bit more of my world. I've had over 250 listeners, so that's really exciting. We didn't really have any expectations of listeners. Um, and I think if I was to do this again, uh, I would definitely pr probably try and do a little bit more on the Instagram and Facebook pages. We did set that up at one stage, but it just didn't interest me as much because you do have to be quite active every single day. Um, and really the idea of the podcast was m for my own personal reasons. 
and to figure out what I want to do and what area I want to pursue. So yes, if I was to do it again and try and make it really successful and really, you know, try and uh, broadly educate the public about the vet industry, I would have done a little bit more on Instagram. But you never know what could happen in the next couple of years. I might jump back into it. Um, but for now, we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you all have a safe and happy rest of the year.